0: A few months ago, I interviewed Professor Alfie Agnew, who not only is the head of the math department at Cal State Fullerton, he's also a member of the Notorious Agnew family, whose brothers Rick and Frank were key figures in the Orange County, California, hardcore scene back in the early 80s with bands like The Adolescents and Social Distortion and DI and TSOL and a bunch of others. Now, at the time I spoke to Alfie, he had just released an album with his band Professor and the Madman with Rat Scabies and Paul Gray of the Damned. And their album, Seance, was one of my favorite albums of the year. A few months later, I was given the chance to speak to his older brother, Frank Agnew, who is also about to release an album with Greg Antista and The Lonely Street. And at first I thought, well, here we go. Going to find myself in the middle of a family squabble over whose record is better than who. And then they sent me the record. And it's fantastic. It's also filled with another great lineup of legendary musicians, including Jorge Disguster and Warren Renfro, who has also played with The Damned. The band are about to release an album called *Under the Neon Heat*, and it is just pure fun. It's a real pleasure to welcome the legendary Frank Agnew from *The Adolescents* and from Greg Antista and *The Lonely Street* on Baxi's Musical Podcast. What is it? What is it? It's Baxi's Musical
1: Podcast.
0: I'll, I'll start right in because a, a few months ago I talked to your brother Alfie uh, about uh-huh. about his album with Professor and the Madman, and I legitimately enjoyed that album a lot. And so when I got the word that <laughs> you would put it out an album too, I'm thinking, "Oh shit, I'm going to get in the middle of a family squabble. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm going to draw brothers away from each other, and I'm going to cause family problems." So. Uh, <laughs> so I, 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 got the record and, and, and it was a relief because I actually legitimately thought this is a great record too. Under the, the neon heat is, is fantastic. It's, it's like one of those records that it's, it's so listenable that you can enjoy every track from front to back. So congratulations on it. It's really wonderful.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Did you guys record this during the pandemic or was this something that was going on before it started?
1: you know what um we finished it just as everything was getting shut down um because yeah it, it, it was a year ago i think at the i think february yeah yeah february a year ago um because i just joined the band about a couple weeks before i recorded my parts um greg had called me and, and asked me to to join the band and he said he you know he, he was doing a, a um a new record and um I, I you know and i said yeah sure yeah sure no problem when you're recording he goes well he goes you know uh, a couple weeks i'm all, okay <laughs> <laughs> you know
0: well he could have said i'm in 10 minutes you know he could have done
1: that to you too <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> so um when i went, when when i went in there i first visited the studio when the bass player was laying down his tracks because the um, the drums were done and Greg's rhythm track w- was done and he and he I think yeah he just had scratch vocal and um and the bass player was laying down his tracks so you know I was kind of like listening to the songs just kind of getting used to them um, and before that Greg had come over a couple times and just kind of with his acoustic guitar and just kind of you know kind of showed me how they went and then it was my turn to go in. Drums, bass, his rhythm guitar was done, and then I just kind of went in sort of fresh and um, laid down a bunch of guitar tracks, some keyboard tracks, and then, we, um, and then we did all the vocals, and I went in, we did all the vocals, everything was finished, but he called me and said, you know, there's a couple extra guitar parts I'd like you to put on. And uh, it was me, Greg, and the engineer, and we went there, and you know that that that's when it was happening on the radio. Everything's getting shut down, <laughs> you know, and so we we went in there, and I just kind of knocked out my last couple pieces, and then that day, I think, yeah, yeah, that that day everything was getting shut down. So wow. we just finished recording it right when everything was closing. That's
0: yeah. I mean, you're you're lucky; otherwise, you could have done it the way so many other people, including including Alfie, <laughs> where they're you know they're literally emailing each other's parts and trying to, you know, piece it together like a jigsaw puzzle.
1: Yeah, I was because that's the way I prefer to record.
0: When I'm talking to you to, to a number of other people who have done it the way your brother did it, it's in in a way, it kind of seems like, well, that's like witchcraft. I mean, what kind of sorcery allows you to do that? And, and, <laughs> and you know, guys our age, cause, you know, we're, we're about the same age. Guys our age are still trying to figure out, well, how do I, how do I get my phone to turn on without a home button? You know, th- yeah, that's the kind of stuff <laughs> we're trying to figure out, but then to do it in, in a more complicated, technologically disjointed way, you know, to me, that's, that's just, uh, it's, it's magic.
1: It is. And it's interesting. And I like the fact that it allows you to have other ways to do it. But, um, but I don't know, maybe I'm just an old guy or something. <laughs> I, I prefer to just kind of have everyone around, you know, because you're, kind of feeling it. Yeah, it, you know, it's it, it's um I don't know. Maybe but I just like the way it's like okay, okay, we're all hanging around, we're all cracking jokes and okay, now let's do this track, you know?
0: Yeah, I think you know, to me I can almost you I'm and maybe I'm just, you know, listening too hard, but to me I can almost feel a difference between you know, a, a band that's trying to squeeze it all together and a band that's actually together I mean I I don't, I don't know if you can if you can feel the difference or, or you know hear the difference the other examples I've heard kind of seem like had everybody been together in in the studio at the same time now whether it's a live recording or or not it's not really the issue it just to me I can hear it's kind of like you know when I'm, when I'm on the radio or listening to a radio station and I can tell someone has pre-recorded their show I can tell but the average person may not yeah, be
1: able to tell I could completely tell it, it's it's <laughs>
0: To me, it's really obvious. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's just like a, a uh, like a
1: like a fractional
0: hair off time, if that makes sense.
1: It does because there's just something about being in there with everyone, and you're just all kind of feeding off each other. That 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 adds a little something. Oh,
0: I do want to talk to you about your your family here for a minute because I, I I find it fascinating. You got you got two brothers. Your you know your your older brother Rick and then and then you got Alfie and you know you and Rick are in you know all these legendary bands I mean the Adolescents and Social Distortion and Christian Death and TSOL and all you know, all these bands and then you got <laughs> Alfie smearing the family name by getting a PhD in mathematics what was wrong with that kid
1: <laughs> Yeah you know I mean he's it's funny because you know <laughs> all of us were all of us brothers were kind of naturals at at music and math. Alfie just took it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know, he um you know, he he was one of those out of high school into college kind of guys, um, he was always more um more together than than say Rick or I, you know. Rick was always really good at math and, and art and all that stuff, you know, but he, he Rick was more of a free spirit, you yeah. know, Alfie was more disciplined and kind of goes, oh, okay, you know, I could do this. I think I'll just <laughs> kind of take this road and 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 do well. And he has,
0: yeah. And and meanwhile, you're left with the middle child syndrome. Perfect.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I actually kind of fall somewhere between the two. You know, um, I'm less disciplined than Alf, but more so <laughs> than Rick. And um, you know, but. Rick has that very artistic mind, you know. Um, I don't think he had the patience to, to s- s- sit there in class, you know, year after year and, and do I mean, he, he definitely had, had the brains for it. Right. But he just didn't have the patience for it. You know, and I kind of felt um, somewhere in between. Um, I went to college for about three, three and a half years, and then I got impatient. You know, um, looking back, I wish I would have finished because, you know, I wasn't too far from finishing. But it was just one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, get Nancy.
0: Whereas I went to like uh, I went to college for five and a half years to get my bachelor's degree because I don't want to learn too much too fast. I thought that I didn't want to cram it all in. I thought, let's let's pace this thing out as much as possible and simultaneously piss my parents money away at the same time.
1: I did a good job. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, that's That is the nice thing about college. You, you can take as long as you want if you have the means or, or, you know, I mean, you, you can always go back. And I mean, because sometimes lately I'm going, yeah, you know, maybe one day I'll go back and finish.
0: It's not too late. You're in your fifties. You could, you could easily finish up.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, maybe one day I'll do that. You know, I've actually entertained that idea. When I go
0: back to the eighties and I think about, you know, bands back then here, you are in in the, in the adolescence, which is actually a a very, very important band in, 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 in the sense that it was like one of the very first bands of, uh, hardcore bands in America that got like a national distribution. I mean, you know, out here in the East coast, sometimes it was really hard to get your hands on, on records. Because, I mean, you read yeah. about them, you, you look for them, but they're just, they're not available. So, you know, The Adolescence was one of those records that that was available, it's 1981. And the thing that, that just it, it floors me is you were 16 years old when you joined that band the year before. I mean, 16 years old, and all of a sudden you've got a record that's being distributed nationwide. So what was that like to be that young, and to see, and to see this this record that kind of still holds up in a lot of ways get to a point where, you know, it is, it is a lauded album. Yeah. You
1: know, it's at the time, um, when the Adolescents first formed January 80, um, it was Soto started it it, it, it. it was him, me, um, Tony and a couple other guys. Right And, um, that lineup lasted about six months, and then those two guys were, were gone, and then, and then we brought in Rick and Casey, and then that's when it gelled. You know, that's, that's when it really started to work, and then things started happening kind of fast. And, you know, because when the band first formed, I was 15, and, you know, I, I was thinking, cool, you know, we'll get together, play some house parties, maybe even play a club or two. That'd be great when Rick Gacy joined and then, you know, um, Rick songs were added to the mix. It just brought us to like this, this whole another level and things started happening really fast. And then, you know, fast, fast forward to February 81 and Lisa assigns us to, to do a record. Mm -hmm. And, um, we, we recorded that in the end of Feb, mid mid -end end of February, I think. And, um, We knocked that out in four days. That whole record from start to finish was done in four days. Really? Um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and that was it. You know, Monday we recorded all the basic tracks. Tuesday, Rick and I did all our guitar overdubs. Um, Wednesday was all the vocals, and then Thursday was mix and edit, done. And it went quick because we essentially kind of recorded our live set at the time when you listen to the Blue Album, that was essentially our, 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 our live set. Maybe there was a song or two switched. Um, but other than that, you know, it, when, when you saw us live back then, that's kind of what you heard was that Blue Album.
0: And when I say that album kind of holds, I was just listening to it the other day just to, just to, to kind of refresh my memory on it. Because, I mean, it's, it's not an album I've ever forgotten, but it's like, you know, what was it about that record? And, and, and you know, people remember, you know, Kids of the Black Hole and Amoeba, and and no way, which I think you know, to me doesn't sound like a band that would be put together with a sixteen-year-old kid in it. There's <laughs> <just, it>, <laughs> nothing wrong with it, but it's but it's it's actually kind of a sophisticated song. And whenever you see a, a band full of sixteen-year-olds, it's either you know their their songs are not that great or they're playing Skynyrd covers, and that's and that's what they do. But this was, I mean, this was very very different for for guys who were were that young at the time.
1: Well, yeah, because. Um like I said, when we first got together, you know, I'd been playing about, oh, about three years, I think. And um, same thing with Soto. And Tony had had never been in a band or or, or anything like that. Um, so Soto grabbed him in because he thought he looked cool. And, <laughs> you know, but um, me, Rick, and Soto you know, we were big 60s and 70s music fans, you know, we were all big Beatle fans, you know, like, you know, we we're little kids, you know, and growing up with Beatles and, and all, all those kind of bands. And when I first started playing guitar, I think I was about 12. um, I'm an introvert. So when I got my first guitar, I just, you know, would sit at home day after day, just teaching myself how to play. And, um, so by the time I was fifteen and sixteen, I was okay, and um, and then you know, Rick was playing instruments too, and oftentimes him and I would just jam together, and you know, and just kind of feed off each other, and we played a lot and learned a lot because like me, I was always trying to figure out Beatles songs or or you know, um, different stuff like that, and um, I guess for my age, I you know, I I, I was. Uh, I was pretty good. Yeah, you were (laughs) okay. You were able to make (laughs) do. (laughs) But I think what made it sound really good was um, we used to practice a lot. You know, I mean, me, Steve, and Tony were in high school, and uh, so you know, it's not you know we we didn't have jobs or anything. And then Rick and Casey were both kind of free spirits, and so we practiced all the time because there was not really not a whole lot else to do. And I think. That's how we got really good as a band. Hmm. Um, we just rehearsed all the time because out at, of at boredom, we all played well together, so we got good quick. And you know, and then Rick's songwriting was was really good for that. You know, he he was coming up with stuff that that no that, that no punk band was doing at the time.
0: No, definitely. I mean, definitely not. And it, like I said, when I when I hear those songs off that uh, that first record, you can tell this isn't like any other band coming out of orange county or anywhere else on the west coast at the time i mean you know, there was there was some sameness to a lot of the west coast hardcore stuff adolescence adolescence is not among those that is the same i would not even say like you know agent orange sounded the same because i mean they they certainly had more of a you know a, a surf punk thing about uh, about them but there was a lot of the same type of type of stuff with a lot of a lot of bands, you know, the cream roast, the top, obviously, you know, the black flags and and stuff like that. But but, you know, for Orange County, I mean, you guys were very, very
1: different. Yeah. And I think a lot of that had to do with Rick's writing, you know, because the one thing that him and I were into was doing interesting guitar stuff. You know, Um, we rarely did the same thing at the same time, you know, because we thought, well, shit, if we're going to be a two guitar band why well, I have them playing the same thing and just muddying it up. You know, someone will do the rhythm, and then someone will be doing something over that. And so that's how we always approached it. Okay, while you're doing that, maybe I could be doing this or that sort of thing. So we never thought, okay, well, here's all the chords. Let's just, you know, turn up the marshals all the way and just make a, make a double noise. We, we, we never approached it that way. It was more like, let's make this interesting.
0: I do want to ask you about Steve Soto, though, because I think he's one of those guys that that, you know, people probably should know a little bit more about in, in a lot of ways. He's kind of one of these central figures that ties a lot of dots together. You know, Agent Orange, the the uh, the adolescence and, and he, you know, he goes on and I know that, you know, he and, yeah. and Greg Antista were were very, very close friends. And, and in fact, if I'm not mistaken, uh, one of the songs of the new record, I think it's Broken Glass. Is about his friendship with Steve. So tell me what what Steve Soto was like.
1: Well, um, I met Steve through Rick because back then Rick was, you know, kind of like the guy about town. And I remember coming home, goes, Hey, there's this great new punk band called Agent Orange. And I met those guys, and there's these kids, and they're really cool, you know, and and that sort of thing. And um, I met Steve at a house party. And this was, this was like in, in the spring of 79, and um, him and I hit it off right away. You know, we, we, we just started talking about all the music we were into at the time, and, you know, you know we're all in, in, into the whole punk music thing. And, you know, oh, yeah, this band's great, you know, and then we talked about the music we grew up with, and we just totally hit it off. So after he left Agent Orange and started the adolescence, um, he, he asked Rick to join. But Rick was in um, the Detours at the time, and so Rick said, "You should get my brother Frank," and um, and so that's when, when Soto called me, and um, you know, because he, he was determined to to get a band that that would outdo Agent Orange, because I think they kind of let him go, and mm-hmm. he was pretty hurt by that. And so you know, so I think part of the reason for him forming the Adolescence w- w- was w- was to make a band that that would be better than Agent Orange. So you know, I'll show you guys. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> and and also to name a band alphabetically that goes before Agent Orange, maybe <laughs> right right before it in a record store. So, I'm,
1: you know, it's funny. I never thought of that.
0: Well, <laughs> I I, th- I was just thinking about that now. So well, Agent Orange, A G Adolescence, A D. I'm I'm sure. You know, out of spite, the best way to to, to tell to, to tell your former bandmates to go screw themselves is to be just slightly a little bit ahead of the other band.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what? Maybe there was something. To, you know what? There probably was something to that, knowing, you know, because I know that, that him and Tony came up with that name, you know, and so, you know, I'm all, okay, Adolescent's cool. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, we're a bunch of kids. Cool. You know that guy didn't think too much about that, but that's funny. I, I bet you there might have been something there.
0: Well, I'm, I'm always I'm always for identifying the most spiteful thing imaginable. So that's uh, that's good.
1: <laughs> it was cool because after about you know six months or so, we were playing all the same places that Agent Orange was playing. So like you know they were they were our friends again, and everything was cool. Right. You know that, that kind of thing. You know, but <laughs> um, but yeah, Steve, you know he. He was very driven, you know, um, very much an extrovert, very driven and and just uh, really friendly guy. Um, and, uh, you know, he's the guy that 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 made things happen. So uh, wonderful uh, guy. Really miss him.
0: So And and, and with uh, with Greg Antista, I mean, the two of them were also very close, correct?
1: Oh, yeah. All the, because they went to high school together and. Pretty much from about 1980, because I first met Greg Antista because um, Steve brought him around. And um, so I met, I believe I met Greg at, at the Black Hole apartment probably about about a month after the adolescence formed. And, you know, the three of us hung out a lot in those days. <laughs> you know, uh, um, even when the adolescence, you know, when, when, when that was happening and even when that was over for. Pretty much throughout the the eighties, um, me and Soto uh, hung. Out. Him and I were closest in the adolescence, probably because we you know we were close in age and, and, and temperament and, and all that stuff, you know. But Greg was always around too. Um, so I feel like now being in a band with Greg, it's it's like oh okay, well it makes sense.
0: It's it's interesting. I, I was um I was reading Keith Morris had written a book a few years ago. From the uh, the Circle Jerks, and uh, called, uh-huh. called My Damage, and he, one of the things that, that that struck me in the book is throughout, and I don't think it's it, it's it's necessarily only a West Coast thing because the East Coast was doing it too. You know, it's it's such a small community of bands and yes. a small community of people that there's if if you ever did like the family tree of punk rock or hardcore it's a very convoluted yeah. root system and it's it's interesting to yes, me that out of all the years that you've known each other this is the first time that you've recorded anything with Greg Antista which i think that's exactly very strange to me that that it's taken until 2021 for the two of you to get together
1: <laughs> you know that's funny i never thought about that either <laughs> <laughs> you know but it's true you know i mean cuz you know we we uh, uh, have hung around in the same circles forever, and you know, um, Greg started. You know, he picked up a bass and learned a few notes and started his band. Not, uh, not too long at. You know, probably later in eighty. You know, like you know, because he 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 was hanging out with with me and Soto, and he goes, "This looks fun." You know, so he you know he he we he used to have a couple pawn shops around the corner where we lived. And, you know, they had these cheap, shitty basses, you know, and he just bought one and taught himself how to play and started his band. I think they were called the G-Men. Hmm. Um, I think so, you know, and, you know, and then he started doing his thing and, you know, we all hung up. But but yeah, it's, it's strange that him and I never really recorded together or anything like that throughout all these years, even though we've been friends throughout all these years. I, I guess some... I guess some things just take longer than others.
0: <laughs> it's like you—you you used to be in a band too. After all these years, we should maybe do something.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and it, and it, it's it's interesting because when I joined them and we started getting re- ready for the record, it felt like coming home. week. you know, it it, it just felt really natural. Like even through our playing you, uh, the best way I could explain it is you could feel the years of friendship, if that makes sense. Right.
0: Not that you can necessarily tell that everyone's getting along in a band because, you know, sometimes, you know, production or whatever, or the million takes you do in a studio make a difference. But there's something so infectious about this record. You can tell that if I, if it weren't you guys who were having fun, I'm having fun, at least listening to it. It just, it just sounded like a fun experience.
1: We had a great time. You know, yeah. I mean, this is the first time in decades I look forward to rehearsal. It,
0: yeah. it, but it's the kind of music I think kind of lends itself to that, too, because it sounds like it, it has to be just fun to play. It is. That was one
1: of the things that convinced me to really do it. You know, when Greg was playing me some of the songs, the thing that struck me was how upbeat they were. You know, I mean, his lyrics cover a variety of things, and it's not all all happiness. But there's something about the music that just, you know, it, it's it, it's uplifting, it's yeah. upbeat, it's not depressing. You know, this is fun music. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like Cheap Trick or something. You know, like when you put on a Cheap Trick record, you can't help but smile. You know, or like a Ramones record. You, you put one on, you can't help but it it's, smile. <laughs> you know, it
0: it sounds like uh, you know in, in a way like a very happy social distortion. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, there's, yeah, good re- you know, there's, I, there's good reason for well, that, but it does sound that way.
1: You know, it, it, and it's interesting because for some time now, I just kind of got burned out on, oh, let's just go make a band and act all bummed because it's hip to be bummed. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, yes. I realize, you know, as soon as I, you know, especially when I hit 50, I'm all, you know, I'm pretty fucking happy to be alive <laughs> considering all the shit we did back in the day. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? Okay, at this point, I, you know, I got three kids. They're all good kids. They're all adults now. Um, you know, I, I'm not starving. I, I have pretty much, pretty much everything I really need. I'm, I'm pretty happy. I'm not pissed off or 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 bummed out about anything. So, you know, it would be phony, just you know, to think, oh, okay, you know, we're paying. Playing in a punk type band, so now we got to act like we're pissed off at something. <laughs> I ain't really pissed off at anything at the moment. No, but,
0: but you know, on the other hand, I, I can I can see a band, and maybe not yours, or or, but they're a band at some point with guys our age singing songs about. It hurts to get up, uh, you know. I can't, I can't believe this colonoscopy prep has to have a liquid diet. You know, you know like that kind of thing. It's like, you know, those are the kinds exactly. of songs. I'm, I'm waiting for a band to do, you know, songs. Songs about a prostate examination. Not, that's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> well, see, because that's just
1: it, you know, because if you have a bunch of old farts just acting like they are angry because, you know, they don't like the government and shit like that or, or you know, whatever. I mean, you know, it's like, OK, well, I could see that, you know, but yeah, I think you're right. I think in order for if you're going to be an old man that's pissed off, you've got to be relevant, you know, because I mean. You said it right there. One of my biggest <laughs> bitches is climbing out of bed in the morning and feeling like I'm going to break into pieces.
0: It's like, hey, <laughs> you get off a couch and you make that noise that your father made. It's like, <clears throat> okay, that's, now that's a song right there. It's called, ooh, that hurts. You know
1: what? That That is a song because, you know, I don't know how many times in, in just it, just the, the last couple of years, I'm all, shit, I'm turning into my dad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like literally, and like I'll look at my hands and I'm all, holy shit, those look like my the way my dad's hands look. You know, I'm all <laughs> turning into my dad. I'm making the same sounds, yep. and uh, I'm taking a same <laughs> amount of time to get off the couch. So, are,
0: are you guys planning like you on, said, on on getting on the road with this record, or is, are, I mean, are there, there there plans to go on the road?
1: You know, I think right now um, there are definitely plans to play shows. I think what. Well, it's kind of hard to tell, you know, because with with the COVID thing still kind of there, you know, even though things are opening up and stuff like that, um, one of the big problems with traditional touring is the cost. You know, the the cost of touring gas is through the roof, and um, you know, you would rent a bus and and that sort of thing. I mean, I I think you know what we were talking about is like let's just do like a, like, for example, in in August, there's some festival out in Utah. Okay, we're either going to drive out there or fly out there and do the show and then come back. And then, you know, maybe go to the East Coast, do do like two two or three choice shows, and then come back. You know, I personally would like to do stuff like that instead right. of just kind of like hopping in a van and, and, and slugging it. You know, first of all, I'm too fucking old to do that.
0: <laughs> I was just going to say. You you sound like a 56 year old man. The damn price of gasoline and I got to have my dinner by 3:30. I, mean,
1: <laughs> I think we're on to a concept album here. <laughs> we we
0: might we might just be. I, like I said I, I've been listening to the record. I, I, the I know the, uh, the there's a couple of songs on it that uh, that that are kind of being pushed uh Tijuana Jail down on Commonwealth but I loved Halfway to Whole. I think that's maybe my favorite song on the whole album.
1: I like that one, too.
0: Yeah, it's a really, really good song.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, there's, there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff on it, and what was fun for me recording it, you know, because Greg, um, he just kind of goes, you know, just just kind of have at it, you know, and I said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just throw a bunch of shit on there <laughs> and then, you know, mix in what you want and, and get rid of what you don't. And so it was really cool, like, you know, because when you mentioned it, Halfway to whole, I took a whole different approach to that song than I did a lot of the others. You know what I mean? You know. Right. And, and he'd sit there and go, he goes, that sounds cool. He goes, that sounds cool. Go with that. And then, you know, and then I'd so we'd record that, and then I'd try something else, and, you know, and he goes, well, you know, I'll decide later if it works or not. While well, it's there, you know. But that's what's been fun, making this record, because the songs, like you said, I, I think the songs, each song kind of, stands up on its own. It's not just like one long protracted song that's that that's broken up with silence every 2 minutes.
0: No, no, not at all. And it, it it's not like you have a, a song that doesn't feel like it wasn't fleshed out and, it, and you know there there should be more to it. It's like every song was was as it should be. It's like you know, it, they were all very very well thought thought out approachable songs, you know, from from the, from a listener's point of view, you could just tell this was a this is a, a well-crafted bunch of material
1: yeah and um that's the way i like to do things you know um because another thing i like working with greg is you know he 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 allows me to just kind of put my interpretation on it right He'll sit there and go okay well this is it what do you think you know come up with all kinds of stuff but then you know i'll come up with a bunch of different stuff and he goes okay i, I like that you know i like that you know maybe Maybe do a little more with it, you know? So it's it, it's just been a blast. And I, I think by, by doing that approach, each song, you know, is a little special because it's not like we used any formula. Because that's one thing I hate approaching a record is like, okay, well, you know... Okay, here are all the songs, they all go like this, you know, they all have to have this arrangement and structure and then, you know, I like treating each song as its own individual baby.
0: You definitely succeeded with that on the on this record under the uh, the neon uh heat with uh, Greg Antista on the lonely streets. Uh Frank, it's it's a real pleasure to talk to you I, again. Great job on this record. I hope you guys come out come out east and play a few shows when you and put together the money or your ARP discount to get the gasoline, <laughs> or what?
1: double ARP discount. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for the- well, you know what? I would love to go out there because I haven't been out to the East Coast in quite a while, and you know, and every time I went out there, I had a great time.
0: Well, i I would love I would love to see you guys play because I've I've seen stuff on 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 YouTube, and uh, you know, even before you joined the band, and it it just sounds like a really Really, really good band, and that plays great live too. So it's a real, it's a real pleasure to to, to listen to the record, and a real pleasure to talk to you, Frank. I, I do appreciate it today.
1: Likewise, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it.
0: No problem, Frank. Thank you so much. The name of the record is "Under the Neon Heat" by Greg Antista and the Lonely Street. Available on Primal Beat Records. Thanks for listening to the show. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can always email me at dot 102com Also, check out our social media on Facebook, Instagram, and everywhere else we're at. And be sure to share it amongst your friends. Subscribe it, like it, give it a nice review when you get a chance. And we'll see you next time on Backseat's Musical Podcast.